0: I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. This is episode 44 of the Way of Beauty podcast. I'm here with Father Jeffrey Kirby, um, who is a priest of the Diocese of Charleston, North Carolina. And uh, notice I had to hesitate there as someone who's from (laughs) a different country. Make sure I got the right Carolina. so it's great to have you here, Father. Now, Father Jeffrey is uh, an author of uh, a number of books, including two with Pontifex University Press. But we're here today to talk about his latest book, uh, published through Ave Maria, and which is available through Amazon, called Be Not Troubled, A Six-Day Personal Retreat with Father Jean-Pierre de Cassade. I probably butchered the pronunciation. Um Father, first, could you just tell us the story of this book? It's an intriguing title, um, and uh, what do you hope uh, people will gain from reading this?
1: Yeah, so this uh, book really uh, came from kind of a whole movement just in terms of my own approach to homiletics and uh, to teaching and preaching, because there's more and more what I'd see among uh, christian believers people would, would would leave the church and say there's no spiritual depth they would get involved in buddhism or various eastern uh philosophies or they fall into the new age and they and they do this sincerely believing that the church has nothing in terms of, of spiritual treasury to offer and, and and pastor i just keep this you know seeing this increase 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 and I thought, you know uh, we do have a vast treasury I And mean, pope saint john paul ii said where the the buddhist tradition ends the Carmelite, and I would say by extension, the Christian tradition picks up. Hmm. There's a lot there. Now, part of this movement, I think, is, is the fault of, of leadership because as I even looked at my own priesthood, I thought, well, how often do I reference the spiritual masters in my preaching or in my teaching? How often have I sought to introduce the Christian faithful to this great part of our, our patrimony? And had to realize I wasn't doing it myself. But I started looking for spiritual masters that I could use in terms of teaching and preaching and, and drew a lot uh, of these great writers in, in terms of uh, their wisdom and so on. But one that stood out among all these different ones that, that I was using, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, St. Louis de Montfort, and, and, and the list goes on. And the, the treasury of the church, the spiritual treasury, is vast and beautiful and diverse. But I kept going back to Jean-Pierre de Cassand, uh, whose writings because... He wrote about 250 years ago, right after all the religious wars uh, when uh, west the West, and especially France, was, was getting its bearings again. And he gave a series of lectures to some visitation nuns. He never expected this to be a book. These were meant as retreat conferences. The sisters were so inspired by his writings that they saved all these notes for 100 years and eventually put it into a book. Well, the interesting thing about David writings was 250 years ago, he retrieved some really trailblazing truths from our tradition. For example, the universal call to holiness. Every Christian has a vocation, not simply a particular group. The understanding of God's permissive will in suffering or evil, uh, the role of redemptive suffering in the Christian way of life. The opportunity to grow in holiness, even in the midst of regular duties, from washing our laundry to, you know, doing dishes and so on. So all these, De Kassad retrieved. And he has this book that was put together, uh, again, about 100 years after this retreat he gave. And it was put together under the title, Abandonment to Divine Providence. Well, (laughs) here's the thing. The first time I read it as an undergraduate at Franciscan University of Stubenville, I thought, what is this? This is, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. Um, because it is, it's, it's steeped, his, his book is steeped in French scholasticism, uh, a, a heavy philosophical language in places. Uh, he can be redundant because remember, this was being given as a retreat. And I just thought, okay, I'm not sure if this guy has anything to offer me. Well, after kind of life beat the stuffing out of me, right, a little older, I went back to De Kassad and realized there's a lot here that i have grown to appreciate and as i have found de to be a spiritual mentor and spiritual friend in this push to promote our spiritual patrimony in the church i of course went to de cassad among many others but i thought that de especially could be very useful to us today so i took his writings in order to prevent my initial experience with him among others I took his wisdom and I broke it down to six days. It models the six chapters of the book and made his wisdom digestible in a retreat format so that anyone could pick up this little book, Be Not Troubled, which was one of his big things, you know, Banner to, to Divine Providence, and hopefully be able to drink, as we would say, from the wellspring of, of spiritual wisdom, especially from Dick Right. Wow.
0: This is exciting. <laughs> and, and a... Uh, a subject, the whole field is, is so close to my heart. I live here in the East Bay near San Francisco. And um, what always strikes me about this area is that people are looking for mysticism. They're, they're aware of this call for us to be a mystic. And this is not a, a sort of an unusual thing. As you're saying, every person is yearning for this, and which means that it it is it can't be something that you have to do by spending 50 years on a mountaintop in tibet to achieve (laughs) there have to be very practical ways to doing this for for most people um and i i think that something like this would have huge appeal if we can package it right and sell it right to to people here and i'm guessing and, and so i'm going to put this to you i'm guessing that that this the first um, readership you're imagining here is Catholic, that you're talking to, to Catholics, you're attempting to hide this. But the goal then really is for us to do what is contained within it, be mystics ourselves, and then be contagious. And, and yes. Try and attract others. And that's the next step for each of us, really.
1: Yes. Um, and if we just look at, uh, for example, echoing some of the points you're making david that if we look at amazon the number one genre that's is selling on amazon is transcendence and spirituality so there's definitely a cultural yearning for transcendence for spirituality for a depth of soul that is beyond the mere material yeah. and So, beyond the material, and I think it's interesting that we'd be not troubled. The first review for the book on Amazon was actually from a non Catholic. <laughs> and they actually said, you know, I'm not that the priest probably wrote it for Catholics, but I got so much out of this book. And, and really, the book can be for Catholics, for Christians, uh, by extension, the people of goodwill, who again are just looking for. That's something that, that is beyond the material, beyond our calculations, beyond our, our maneuvers, and so on. So, I hope that Be Not Trouble can not only help direct people in that way, but also show people, remind the West of the incredible treasury that we have in the Christian tradition. I mean, as I really thought about it, um, because of this, this cultural challenge. I myself was just surprised. I thought, why have I never preached about the purgative way or the illuminative way, or you know, about the understanding of you know uh, the spiritual darkness that comes, uh, you know, with aspects of, of the spiritual life, or the different prayer forms, you know, composition of place, or you know, Pustinia and the Russian tradition, and various things of that sort I mean, It's so rich, uh, and really, in in many respects, as, as we deepen our relationship with Christ, uh, so essential in terms of spiritual growth and yet it seems almost universally ignored it's
0: it's as you're speaking i I was just thinking that um i'm involved now in trying to see if there's a way in which we can create uh, the the equivalent of what you get around here you know a a meditation center so we're trying to package this to the local people but really we it shouldn't need that that we have the christian spirituality centers it's every Mm. parish that's what it should be people should feel that this is available it is not something that's beyond uh what is normally offered within the christian faith and so i think it's uh, i think it's wonderful that you're you're doing this um and maybe so this is not something for individuals to do but something that could be taken up at a parish level and be part of their evangelizing um, Process as well as stimulating and, and nurturing the faith of those within the parish and deepening it.
1: Yeah, and I'm so I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, David. Because I'll tell you one thing that I have also noticed. I mean, I, I was doing this, uh, and, and I completely understand and I don't think there's any fault, but there was this heavy push, uh, you know, and I think there still is a heavy push when it comes to evangelization to immediately go to catechetics, and it's understandable. We, we want to you know declare the truths of faith uh, and so on. But I just wonder if in the West today, the best way of approaching is through the spiritual patrimony. So by introducing our spiritual masters, by introducing spiritual wisdom to help people encounter God and then say, yeah, I'd like to know more about him. So almost like Paul in Athens, You know, he walks around, he realizes uh, there's this empty altar and he tells the Athenians, I, I see that there's this altar to the unknown God. Well, I know him. <laughs> and begins to preach about living and being in Christ and, and the seasons, uh, you know, are, are reflections of his glory and, and so on. So I just think in that way, there's more that we can use the spiritual patrimony for in terms of introducing the truths of faith than what we maybe in the past have thought. Because it's almost like the idea is, well, we give them doctrine, then they move into the sacraments and then the sacraments you know flow into the spirit into a moral life and then as part of the moral life one develops a life of prayer and that's the classical catechetical process and and i just wonder if we have to reverse that right now because people are going to listen to us describe dogma or doctrine but they'll listen when we talk about how to pray
0: well i think so I mean, i think the evidence is there by the success of buddhism for example that's exactly how they do it Um, and um so i i I agree with you so why don't we get a little bit into the detail then of you've got this six-day structure i I just obviously you can't lead us through the retreat now but uh, if you could just give us an overview um and the, the question, <clears throat> before we even get into the content, is this something that I need to take six days off work
1: for? Or how, how, how will that work practically? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because where it says a uh, six-day, uh, it, it can be uh, deceptive um, because actually in the intro, I mentioned multiple various ways someone can do it. So uh, first, as you were mentioning earlier, a person can do it by himself or herself. Uh, a family can do it. A parish group can do it. Uh, And then in terms of the chronology, certainly someone could take the book and say, I'm just going to take a day of silence, or I'm going to take a weekend, and and, and the book would be a great companion for that. Uh, Truth be told, most of us couldn't do that, or if we do that, we have to plan for it far in advance. Mm -hmm. So instead, the book is also designed where it can be six days. So one thing I recommend is starting it on Monday, finishing it on Saturday, and then place it all before the Lord at Sunday worship. So it kind of, you know, the the liturgy becomes the summit uh, and, and the source of this. So yeah. start on Monday in six days uh, at home, after work, or maybe at lunch, or uh, wherever a person can can cut out, you know, some time. And, and that could be a 10-minute session. It can be a 30-minute session, uh, depending on where a person is uh, in their spiritual life or how deep they want to go with this. But it can also be done once a week for six weeks so maybe for maybe for example someone does a holy hour every thursday or they have a you know a prayer group on tuesday mornings and so on so it can be done six weeks or it can even be done uh, you know on, on a, a specific day uh, for six months so first friday this becomes the first friday devotion or during adoration or something right yeah. so the book is attempting to be as versatile and fluid as possible so that anyone can pick it up. The chapters are not very long. They start with an opening prayer. They give some initial thoughts. They then give a little bit of explanation from De Kasad, applying it to contemporary examples. I use examples from my own life in order to illustrate uh, how important these can be in, in the trenches. And then it concludes with another prayer and with some possible action items, you know, uh, how to take this wisdom and now apply it to our lives where we are. So. Each chapter, again, it could be 10 minutes, it could be a half hour, it can be an hour long for a prayer group or something. So Mm -hmm. my real focus was this has got to get out and how can we make this as flexible and applicable as possible in as many situations (laughs) as possible? Um, Because David, it it does, it it, uh, distresses me uh, as a Christian and as a priest to see people abandon biblical faith me to abandon Christian discipleship because they legitimately believe that the church has nothing to offer, and we have this vast treasury. And I think we've we've taken that lit candle and we've put it we've put it under uh, the table. And, and this book was one small effort to put the candle back on the table so they can shine and give light to all.
0: Right? Could you just give me an example then of? Um, just so I can
1: imagine what these,
0: uh, is it spiritual exercises or is it a, is it a meditation or a contemplation? Just give, furnish us with an example of what we might be doing on day two, for example.
1: Yes, yes. So Dekasad, um, you know, and, and again, some of it is in the original work, uh, Dekasad can be repetitive because they were given as retreat talks. But he, he basically walks us through as, you know, uh, understanding the present moment, you know, the, the goddess everywhere. So he even jokes at one point, um, he says that Our Lady was probably annoyed when Gabriel appeared to her. <laughs> because for Our Lady, God was as present to her doing the laundry, as in the presence of an archangel. That every moment becomes this sacrament, Vekasat coins the term, the sacrament of the present moment, this invisible, uh, excuse me, this visible moment of invisible grace. He also develops this really beautiful spirituality of the I am, where he says, you know, God is not in the past, he's not in the future. So he's not in past hurts, he's not in future hopes, God is here, and the best place we can find God is right here, right now. So the first couple of chapters develops that notion because... Obviously, that can startle us a little bit in the West because it immediately challenges us in terms of this frenzied pace, this multitasking, right? Go, 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 go. Do two things at once. Go, you know, the more you can do, the better. And the best, the better you can juggle things, the more successful you'll be. And go, 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 go. I mean, people sitting at dinner with a friend on their phone doing their to-do list and and worried about social media uh, all at the same time and not really experience the moment, that, that sacrament of the present moment. So Dekasad works very difficultly in the first few chapters to kind of break that, um, you know, that kind of crust. Certainly in his day, and even more so I think in ours, which is why I think it's so helpful to us. And then he goes on to talk about vocation. He talks about, um, especially the role of virtue. I really like what he does with virtue. He says that virtue is holiness in tangible form. So virtue is, you know, sometimes we can have these very uh, almost abstract notions of holiness. He says, no, holiness is, you know, smiling at our neighbor when we don't want to. Yeah, you know, holiness is, is going to ne- you know, the extra mile for the, for the, for the neighbor, uh, you know, next to us and so on. So he says, and that's holiness right there. Like that is constant emphasis on the present moment, doing this now. And then he says, by having that understanding, God's presence, this role of virtue, we can then fully abandon ourselves to God's providence. That God is here. Uh, he has a plan. Uh, we can trust that plan. He doesn't say we're to be uh, quietists or pacifists. He says, no, fulfill your duties. He has a very strong notion of vocation. Fulfill your duties have genuine concern over your responsibilities but then when it's done abandon yourself to divine providence. sorry i was i was
0: muted i had a conversation yesterday and i'm going to throw this to you to to comment on i I think it's it's connected with what you're saying i'd be interested to know what you think um people there was a discussion about whether there are such things as coincidences. Mm. And I said, you know, I've never been one to look for signs of God in coincidence. I think things occur at the same time. But um, and uh, the people I, I was with thought I was saying, um, I don't see God in what's around me. And actually, mm. I was trying to say the opposite. I was saying that um, if, if you only see God in these sort of, what might seem to be unusual signs, yes. then I think we're missing the fact that that everything is a sign. The whole of the cosmos is yes. is 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 there to to point us to God. Yes, and these things yes. only seem re- remarkable when we're not sensitized to the fact that everything is part of God's plan.
1: Yes, and, and I tell you what's so important, and dekasa would be right there in a the sense of seeing the whole narrative as the unfolding in the present moment of God's will and and calling us to to that act of trust and and confidence in him. And and what is so important in that view that you've described, Dekasad, of course, would would say the same thing, is that that is a very important perspective, especially when... (laughs) there is suffering or hardship because we think, well, God is only here in these coincidences or these yeah. moments of particular blessing or grace or consolation or, or, or uh, material blessing even, right? If we think that that's it, well, wait a minute. Well, you know, God is as present to us, perhaps even more, when there is suffering and tragedy and hardship and disappointment and so on. And, and so I think that while it's not intended, you know, uh, a lot of our spirituality today if we're not careful, is heavily influenced by an evangelical notion of health and wealth gospel. That yes. if you're right, you're going to be blessed. God's present. There's no coincidence because God wants to bless you. God wants to give you what you want. God wants to, And, and that's true, but incomplete because yes. there are times when God will say, I need you to suffer for me. I need you to carry this cross. I, I need you to, I need the righteous to suffer for the sake of the unrighteous. I mean, This is the core of our faith. And if we limit God, as you're saying, David, if we limit God to these coincidences, then we miss His presence in all the other moments. <laughs> so
0: yes, and so miracles—it's the same sort of thing. I believe in miracles, um, but the, the, the they're only remarkable in that the mechanism by which the the, the event is expressed is not. To the, the common order, if I can put it like that. Yes. But everything is, is is a sign of the working of God. It's the same sort of thing. Um and I it's 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 yes, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's struck I've had amazing things happen in my life since I became Catholic. But mm-hmm. I think the most remarkable is the appreciate appreciation of the unremarkable. Yes. <laughs> that that's what's the great change. And, and, yes.
1: Yeah, and to see God in the ordinary, absolutely. To see God, and, and this is a, a strong push of De Kassad as well. To to see God in the ordinary, he would even say mundane things. Um, you know, the, the the fact that two plus two will always equal four should fill us with tremendous wonder. <laughs> like, the, or the fact that we can do laundry and it becomes a means of our eternal redemption. You know, like it, th- this is powerful, beautiful things that we should never allow ourselves. Uh, to become accustomed to or take for granted. Like, so I think that sense of awe is constantly provoked when we realize, well, yes, there are particular miracles, but life itself is a miracle. And all the moments of, of, all the moments of life are God revealing himself in different ways and different circumstances. And that includes even hardship. Like, de Kasad is very important in, in his teachings on the permissive will of God in terms of evil. You know, that, that in all things, that you know, God doesn't actively will evil, but the realization, the call to accept the fact that He will permit evil. Mm-hmm. Why? St. Paul talks about in the letter to so the Thessalonians the mystery of iniquity. But De Cassandre goes further and De Cassandre says, Look, like, you know, we take this at face value. Like, God allows this uh, in order that the suffering will serve a greater good. So, Maybe my suffering is so that a missionary's preaching preaching can be more effective in terms of conversion to the Christian faith. Or maybe my suffering is happening so that there's brought about reconciliation in my family or the family across the street or something. So like every moment was a powerful opportunity, a, a sacrament to encounter God. And I think the more we retrieve that, the more we'll want to put our cell phones down
0: father we're we're back again. I think we had a sort of the internet was down for a second there <laughs> but you're talking about the um the, the role in this of of, uh, of suffering that it has a part to play in our holiness and the more that that um, we experience this through God's grace, the more we can actually see some meaning in it and it can encourage us to embrace it in a new way in the ordinary things of life, so you're talking about spending time with our neighbor for example as a result of this and not fleeing it
1: yes yes and and, and i think that's a, a, a again a very helpful retrieval that they gives us this in this whole realization of you know the the common place of suffering in our lives like we can if we're not careful we can kind of try to create our it's an artificial world where suffering doesn't exist or shouldn't be there. Or, if we suffer, something must be wrong. You know, like uh, we've done something wrong, or God has somehow failed us, or something. And Deccasad really puts suffering back within the context of divine providence. Like the Lord blesses us uh, with prosperity, the Lord blesses us with suffering, and so on. And and very much whatever God may permit, Deccasad would invite us to accept that as a part of the plan, a part of God's providence and i just think that that continuity is so important because again oftentimes we can think well you no know, god's here when things are going great and wonderful and i get what i want but then suddenly there's hardship or disappointment and well, where did god go it's like, well, god is there too yeah. you know and you see that also as an opportunity to encounter god and,
0: and when we do there is a consolation that i'm going to suggest i, I i'm asking you to comment on this if it's wrong but um that there is a consolation that transcends that suffering. That's the that's the amazing thing about the Christian faith. That it doesn't take away necessarily the bad thing. It, we might still have to put up with that, but there, it gives us a way to be happy. There's a sort of inner consolation that is yeah. greater than the suffering we're we're experiencing, and and yeah. sticks alongside it in some way, and. and um and we can't imagine that or certainly i'm just speaking for my own situation that's even possible because i I know that that's not how i am naturally but it's only when i've had to face those things and thank goodness on those occasions when i've reached for god you know i've prayed and and, that i think i think i can get through this you know one minute at a time or something Mm -hmm. and and there is an inner peace and, and it's it's a mystery um but it is possible. I, I think of St. Stephen, the mm-hmm. martyr, and, 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 and I hope I never have to face that. But in a little in the little events of my day, they're, they're important to me, the things I have to deal with.
1: Yes, yes. And, and, and to take the, for example, the, the the situation with Stephen, of course, the first martyr, he stoned to death. And what do we see right after that? Well, because he accepted, you know, repeating the Lord's own words, you know, I commend my spirit. Uh, right after that what happens is he is seen you know to approach the throne of god and the only time throughout all the scriptures that christ is shown standing at the right hand not seated standing we can say the lord jesus gave stephen a standing ovation right (laughs) and then right after that paul converts and there's a strong spiritual tradition that says it was the suffering of stephen that brought about the one the conversion of paul so in this that Evil, there's no Pollyanna here. Evil is evil. But precisely because it is evil, when we take it and offer it to God, we abandon it to divine providence, then God can bring a good out of that evil by our openness to abandon ourselves to divine providence. So you know, there, in, in one sense, you know, evil can betray itself when it's presented to the person who's willing to offer it up for a greater good. All right.
0: Well, I think we'll, we'll finish that. Father, is there anything uh, you want to say um, in closing? If not, perhaps just tell us where we can buy it and uh, where we can get hold of it.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'd say the the whole point of the book was to help people understand the spiritual depth of the church and to understand God's presence in our everyday lives. And uh, the book can be purchased from Maria Press, the publisher, or through Amazon or any Catholic bookstore uh, near uh, listeners. Father Jeffrey
0: Kirby, thank you very much indeed. Fascinating conversation. You've been listening to the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give us a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others to find it too. Also, if you're interested in delving more deeply into the material that we discuss, you can do a course at the Pontifex University website. That's pontifex.university